watching all movies with Rebecca and Jason. Are you gonna love them or hate them? Here comes the binge. Hey everybody, welcome to The Binge, in which a couple of homos review the latest movie theater releases. I'm Jason Leroy. And I'm Rebecca Olarte, and once again we have three movies for you this week. Palms, Pokemon, Detective Pikachu, and Charlie Says. And as always, we're going to rate these movies on a three-tiered scale, with Binge It being our highest rating. Consume in moderation means it's okay, but it's kind of meh. And send it back means... Life is too short for that mess. Jason, what the hell's going on? You old so-and-so. Such-and-such. <laughs> Don't gender it. <laughs> Your so-and-so is the more gendered way of it saying really that. It really is. So I do apologize. Um, such non-binary is this preferred <laughs> identification. Uh, I, thank you for asking. Mm-hmm. Things are going okay. Uh, I just got back from a long weekend in Oregon, uh, attending a friend's wedding, uh, our friend Susie Martin. And Congratulations, uh, Susie. Yes, Susie. We all go back to our twenties in San Francisco together, mm-hmm. and uh, in, in our th- in our tens in Ohio, in our tens in Ohio, and uh, and so many people, as 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 you well know, Rebecca. So many of our of our people from ten years ago in this city have moved elsewhere, mm-hmm. and so it really comes to uh, occasions like weddings to see people. Uh, because uh, how else are you going to do it? How is he going to do it? So Susie no longer lives in San Francisco. She now lives uh, in the Vancouver, Washington area. Um, and then we were also there uh, with uh, our friend Amy Panessa from over at the Bloodlust podcast, mm-hmm. which we've talked about on the show before. Guys, if you enjoy, if you are a horror aficionado, cannot recommend the Bloodlust highly enough. Uh, it is a... Uh, bill themselves as three classy broads and a token dude talking horror each episode they do a deep dive on one horror movie and um always just have great roundtable discussions about it so they're with amy and her wife tiff and uh i just want to say i feel like um uh it's it's probably best to just tell amy now if she wants us to read a promo for her to just send the script and we'll read it because i don't edit the podcasts barely the way it as it is i will pass that along Mm -hmm. Uh, so yeah, just, just a pretty chill Oregon wedding weekend. Uh, no big whoop. So what? Who cares? Uh, <laughs> just some podcasters in the wild. Uh, and yeah. So, and, uh, there's lots of, lots of little trips, uh, coming up in the near future. This coming weekend, I'll be in LA, uh, to go see Jenny Lewis at the Palladium because she is not playing a San Francisco date on this tour for reasons that are beyond me. And uh, before you know it, I'm going to be seeing Gaga's Vegas residency in June. So wow. it's just uh, it's just a busy time. Just following the ladies all up and down the West Coast. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's it's my lot in life. Mm-hmm, so, mm-hmm. Rebecca, what's up with you? Um, I'm I'm sad you won't be able to, to make it uh, with, t- with us tomorrow to um, a book reading and a little show um, called The Night of a Thousand Karens about Karen Carpenter because mm. that would be right up your alley it sure would um what's up with me um you know here's the thing uh i i like buy all the same kind of pants um like i'll buy them off from the same place sorry I'm, this is just really top of mind i'm listening um and i had a, there was one time when they shipped me the wrong size and i i really am bad at returning things mm. almost as bad as i am at, at timely editing of podcasts <laughs> and uh, or telling stories about pants <laughs> oh <laughs> oh, oh real time feedback. I see. We get a little feedback in this in this headphone. Well, it's the hot mic. Yeah. Um and so the one pair is one size bigger than I usually wear and I was mm. like, "Oh, it's fine. Like they're it's not like too noticeable." But it's noticeable when I forget and then they're like just in my drawer and then I put them on. I'm like, "Ooh, I am I must have wow, did I like like eat oh, light this week?" And right, I like think right. I'm just like like flitting around and then I go put on my normal pants the next day and then I'm like, uh, oh, back down to earth. Damn it. That was all that happened you know, today. I, I put these pants on and I was so, like, oh my gosh, wow, they're so, so roomy. What have I done? Nothing. You know, done nothing. They're confidence boosters. That's fine. That's that's part of self-care is having a mm-hmm. pair of pants that's a size Maybe that's too the large. Maybe thing to do. Just pop them in there every once in a yeah, while. Just throw them in and be like, oh my God, I have lost weight. And make them your going out pants. And also, I just noticed you left your diva cup on the table. Oh, I do apologize. That's um, At least it's 
empty. Um, That's clean. Yeah, I also, I wore um, comically oversized khakis to Susie's wedding this weekend. Uh, and there's a picture with she and I on my Instagram um, in which I am crouched forward um, to be closer to uh, her height uh, face to face. And there are no fewer than 45 enormous creases um, that appear in my pants in said photo. I'm going to show it to you right now. Let me see. Oh, yeah, that's a lot of pants. That's a lot of pant. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's too much pant. Yeah. Um, it looks like an elephant face. It, <laughs> it's got two big ears. <laughs> it's got two big elephant ears. Or like a butterfly? It's a butterfly. It's like you're it's, smuggling it's a, a butterfly in your pants. It's a Rorschach test. <laughs> and uh, and I, 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 did not, I did not try the outfit on altogether. I just kind of picked out the parts of it and put them in my little bag and, and just left. And uh, as soon as I put it all on, I did have a sinking feeling <laughs> because they were also very high-waisted khakis. And to be to be completely honest, I don't remember buying these. I don't know how they got into my closet. <laughs> um, and uh, and then I also made the very poor choice of bringing a very thin belt. Oh yeah, oh, no, so, I can't see it because your pants eat no, it in that the picture. No, pants just enfold it. And the the shirt is a more form-fitting shirt, so it's yes. really. It, the essentially, proportions are all off. Essentially, you know, the pants either need to come up to my rib cage um, <laughs> or down to my butt crack. Uh, it's like the Jenna Maroney weight proposition. That <laughs> <laughs> she needed to like either like what gain fifty pounds or lose a hundred. You either be lovable or beautiful. Yeah, exactly. And so if I was going to go for like the full on like high waisted fop look, uh, mm-hmm. I wound up in some very awkward place just somewhere in the middle. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, so that was my wedding discomfort. Great. You know, I have to say it was probably the worst I've ever dressed for any wedding. So apologies to Susie if you were listening. Well, it was a destination so wedding So Rebecca you. and I have both had pant drama this past mm-hmm. week. And, uh, we appreciate all of your support. And we just got out of seeing Palms just mm-hmm. moments ago, which is going to be the first movie we talk about this week. Yes, guys. This time we're coming literally straight from the theater. Hot. I still have, my fingers still smell like popcorn. <laughs> a comedy about a group of women who form a cheerleading squad at the retirement community, proving that you're never too old to bring it on. What a treat for us tonight. Yeah. We were uh, in the audience with some women from the uh, senior ladies dance group for the Golden State Warriors. And I think some for the Los Angeles Lakers as well. I saw some uh, some LA uniforms. And these were all things that you had to point out to me. I mean, uh, I went to the restroom and in front of me was a, a sea of bedazzled hoodies um, that said, "Senior ladies, sure, dance squad, Golden State Warriors." Uh, so it was it was what you're saying is that it was easier to spot uh, than it wasn't like this great sports intuition you have. You're not such a super fan that you were just like recognizing their faces like, oh, there's Patty. <laughs> no, no, I was, no, it was not. Got no. it. Yeah. But have you seen them perform at Golden State Warriors games? I have not. Uh, no, I don't think I've ever seen a Golden State Warrior game. Oh, sure. Because I hate them. Because mm-hmm. I'm a Cleveland Cavaliers fan. Right. Like we talk about every episode. <laughs> <laughs> Your tone is very pointed right uh, now. Well... So what you're saying you is that you wanted to boo them. You wanted to boo the nice no, elderly cheerleaders. No, I mean, I appreciate they, uh, they cheer an athlete. On the, they cheer on the team you hate. I know, but they're just athletes, you know? They don't get to pick where they where they live. Sure. No, I guess that's true. Um, I appreciate how magnanimous you're being about this. Thank you. Uh, and you did also immediately bring up my only reference for older cheerleaders, which is that one episode of 30 Rock. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Where Liz joins the old lady cheerleader team. Oh, when um, when he thinks she's dating someone. Right. Yes. Because it's Jack, right? Jack thinks that right. she has a secret relationship and he like stalks her until he finds out what her secret is. And she's then, so happy and yeah. she like goes and she, and then she actually is dating someone. This is when you find out that she's dating. Oh, right. Um, crisscross. Yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Right, um, yeah, and then he like follows her and Chris, and then suddenly she's wearing, uh, she's wearing, um, you know, hammer pants, mm-hmm. um, standing in the middle of Time Madison Square Garden. Love that, love yeah. that episode. I do remember thinking when it first aired that that was a not a full jump the shark moment, but that it was like I just didn't quite buy Liz Lemon joining a cheerleading squad. I remember thinking they're grasping at straws. <laughs> This show is losing its way. I didn't think they would let her on a senior squad, frankly. But right, there is that. You would think that Jack would have been, you know, would have felt affirmed by mm-hmm. that. He's like, exactly. She's ancient. <laughs> um, cheerleading in movies, 
bring it on mm-hmm. naturally. But I'm a cheerleader. But I'm a cheerleader. You know, what, two, four, six, eight, you're the one I appreciate. Mm-hmm. Scary movie. Scary movie. Uh, my mind also went to the uh, the finale of Trainwreck. Uh, in which Amy Schumer puts oh, on a right. huge cheerleading mm-hmm. routine to prove to uh, Bill Hader that, mm-hmm. I don't know, she's an every girl? I don't know. I don't know. I never liked that ending. No, it was weird. No. Um, and now, uh, added to that pantheon of great on-screen cheering, we have Palms. Palms. Not short for Pomeranians. To my disappointment, to my grand disappointment. Rebecca and I had a very tense and emotional WhatsApp exchange earlier this week when I asked her if she was going to Palms with me because she did assume that I meant something about Pomeranians. I don't know. I don't know what else is called Palms, but now I remember. <laughs> it's, it's cheerleading pom-poms. Yeah. But who calls it just one palm? And why would you call it single plural? I know. Palms? I really thought that the cheerleading squad in this movie was going to be called the Palms or mm-hmm. something like that. Mm-hmm. But they're not. No. And it's also not an acronym, as far as I know. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty old mamas. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Possibly. Uh, no, no. Eesh. I was going somewhere else with that, but uh, <laughs> I couldn't get the S. No. <laughs> Just make it a plural. Just make it a plural like I did. Pretty old mamas. Um, I feel like we're like dancing around talking about this, even though I, I think you probably have a lot to say. Ooh, you, were, yeah. you were cheering up a storm. They did give out uh, pom-poms. They, palms. It was a yes, single palm. They did give me a single palm. Mm-hmm. Um, a and single you, blue palm. You couldn't help but feel the energy in that room. Well, yeah, because they they had they invited a, a, a giant squad of actual cheerleaders to <laughs> sit there and cheer. It. They were loving every minute. They were getting their life. It was it was quite. Uh, and, and otherwise, the theater was almost empty. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, because another movie that was being screened tonight across town in Daly City was The Hustle with Herbert Wilson and Anne Hathaway, which we did not go see. Mm-mm. Chose Palms. Because Jason picks the movies. Yes, and also because I'm not going to Daly City. Are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> Um, I don't have a car, so uh, so so palms it was, and I probably would have chosen palms anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, so we have here uh, Diane Keaton, God lover. How do you get to do that? How do you get to? I love it. I love when there's a Diane Keaton, and then they're like costume designer, and you're like, okay, yeah, <laughs> uh, okay. Right. What is exactly? She do? That's her pseudonym. Whatever the, whatever the name is, <laughs> is a Diane Keaton pseudonym she uses in all our movies. Uh yeah, so we have Diane Keaton here playing uh playing a fairly Diane Keatonish character, mm-hmm. uh, but with maybe a little bit more kind of edge to her, a little bit more bite. Mm-hmm. Um, she is playing a uh, as we first meet her, uh, Martha is her name. We meet Martha as she is having an estate sale of her own property because mm-hmm. she is a single woman who has uh, no kids and she has been in the same apartment for forty plus years, and she has been diagnosed with ovarian cancer. And she is selling all of her things because she is planning to move to a retirement community to die. That is her plan. Mm-hmm. Uh, so already you're probably thinking that's darker than I thought from the mm-hmm. commercials. So and yes, <laughs> I agree. Uh, <laughs> and uh, so it does have a very sort of darkly comic uh, vibe to it. Mm-hmm. Um, it it's mm-hmm. not playing it for any sort of maudlin um, energy. No. Because I mean, Diane Keaton is, is for all of her daffiness, I think fairly allergic to sentimentality in her acting um yes you know yes. she's she's you know she she's very herself mm-hmm, <laughs> you mm-hmm. know very daffy very goofy but very kind of like let's cut the shit at the same time right which is this character yeah which is very this character mm-hmm. uh so we follow martha as she relocates to this very uh sort of gated retirement community in georgia although as soon as i went to georgia i was like boo Oh, right. It's a bad day for Georgia. Uh, bad times for Georgia um, with the fetal heartbeat bill. And uh, and I know like there have been so many things that have come up where everyone's like, let's please just boycott ban- filming in Georgia altogether. But because, it's the thing, right? Because I mean, they have their tax breaks are insane. Is that what? Of course. Yeah. yeah. That's so. Yeah. That's like there's there's like a whole like second Hollywood in Georgia, not just counting Atlanta, which everyone knows is black Hollywood. But like just in general, the film the film industry in Georgia is enormous because the tax breaks are off the charts. Mm-hmm. Bring it back to Cleveland. Got to, got to. Even the Russos took it to Georgia. 
It's a damn shame. And I don't know if this actually, well, I guess, I, I'm guessing this was actually filmed in Georgia. Um, I don't know why it would be like, let's go to Georgia and no, then film in like saw... Toronto. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Toronto filling all, in for yeah, Georgia. It was yeah. in Siberia. Um, so, no, I saw the that whole like Georgia film logo. That oh, yeah. On. Always. And we know it well because it's on everything. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So Martha moves to this retirement community and, you know, we have some fish out of water comedy of uh of you know of martha sort of taking in all of the happy retired people all the ladies power walking mm-hmm. adorable little old security guards um and then um the queen bee of the retirement community in the form of celia weston who i adore <laughs> i always love her i love her so much and uh and she is a, a fine villain uh in this because mm-hmm. she because her you know she that, that slow as molasses accent you can't be too mad at her no no because she always just seems just like sweet still <laughs> just a nice sweet southern lady who just has very strong opinions on mm-hmm. uh on what should and should not be allowed in this exactly. retirement community uh and just as martha's settling in to just quietly die in her house she gets quite uh, a new energy uh, a new interjection of life in the form of her her neighbor played by the great jackie weaver who could have seen those two together <laughs> playing besties? Oh my God, she's hilarious. Jackie Weaver in this movie is so great. So, so good. This is the performance that I feel like she has earned but never been offered. Because Jackie mm-hmm. Weaver, ever since she had her breakout moment when she was nominated for an Oscar in Animal Kingdom back in like 2010... You know, she has been working consistently in American film since then, but they're usually like pretty small parts. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, she was nominated for a second Oscar in Silver Linings Playbook, but even in that, she wasn't on screen super a lot. Your favorite. Um, ugh. And, uh, you know, she was in like Widows. Mm-hmm. She was in mm-hmm. The Disaster Artist. <laughs> oh, right. <laughs> she, she, right. She, yeah, she had to do the mom. She had to do the, well, oh, it's official. God. I definitely have breast cancer. <laughs> <laughs> She had to do that line. Oh, my God. But in this, she's like a second lead. Yeah. yeah. Um, and she is not only is she constantly hilarious and just has a, just this unpredictable screen presence. Um, there is a scene where she goes off on a dude um, and, oh. she, and she's kind of scary. Very scary. Yeah. Which, I mean, that's how she was in Animal Kingdom. Like Animal Kingdom is not a comedic role. I Animal have not Kingdom seen is, Animal Kingdom. It is. Ter- she's playing basically like the 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 mother of a crime family. Oh, oh. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Because um, it's now a series on TNT starring Alan Barkin in the role, if that tells you anything. Oh. Yeah. It is harsh. Yes. Uh, and so... it didn't age well. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, so we have Jackie Weaver playing basically the Blanche, uh, the Blanche uh, Devereaux uh, character. Yes, definitely. Wearing lots of bright colors and, you know, just gambling with the boys. And, uh, and she just grabs Martha and drags her back to life. Mm-hmm. She just really forces her to to kind of have fun and and, and is unrelenting in her um, in her attempts to to shake her up and bring her out. Yeah. And then one day, Martha quite conveniently leaves a big box full of her backstory <laughs> sitting right next to them uh, when they're sitting there one night drinking wine. Uh, and uh, there happens to be a big box of Martha's stuff sitting there, and right at the very top of that box is a cheerleading uniform, mm. just all just out in plain sight. Um, and uh, so Jackie Weaver's like, "Oh, what's that?" And uh, Martha's like, "Oh, oh god, that <laughs> you know, Diane Keaton noises." <laughs> I'm picturing and... like a Family Guy type <laughs> cut of her, like on the ceiling, and then her arms bend, and then their arms akimbo the other way, and then her arms the other way. Right. And um and then she tells of sort of a weird sad story about how she tried to be a cheerleader all through high school and she never made the squad. It's all she wanted, and then she made it in her senior year. But then her mother got sick and she had to quit the squad. And so Jackie Weaver's like, "Well, you should be a cheerleader now. What are you waiting for?" I know it sounds like Edith Bunker a little it bit, does? but Jackie Weaver does talk like that. Jackie Weaver talks like Edith Bunker. I mean, I didn't, but no, it's. You're like no, a, I don't. I I'm don't feeling think so. it. I'm feeling like I think I'm just like I'm nailing it. I think I'm getting it. All right. Well, let me finish uh, up the story then. Um, <laughs> so Martha gets uh, gets the inspiration that oh, also conveniently, you need to be in a in a social group to stay in this community. Right. And, yeah. Some um, kind of club. 
Martha Diane Keaton's character is not quite what you would call a joiner. No. And so she uh, she gets the inspiration to form her own cheerleading club, and they hold auditions, and they audition all sorts of weirdos from from the community, including. Um, Pam Greer, mm-hmm. um, Rhea Perlman, Rhea Perlman, who has a, a hilarious little intro story there mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, who else is in that group? And some other um, old broads. Yeah, that's about it, right? There's, yeah. there's, I feel like there were some familiar faces, but they um, are—they're all like character actresses. Mm-hmm. They're—they're mainly recognizable, but uh, but in terms of name recognition, yeah. it's those. That's it. Yeah. Um, and they practice and they try and they have fun. And then they get embarrassed. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Because you know what? Scary olds. <laughs> the internet. <laughs> True. Um, so they, uh, they, they have a little bit of a, 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 a smash up. And one of their uh, teammates gets injured. And they're embarrassed online. And they, their group gets disbanded. Um, and do, do they manage to bring it back together? Well, I'm not gonna say. I'm not gonna say either. No, not not for me to tell. Uh, so yeah, it's a. I mean, it's it's incredibly formulaic, but it's mm-hmm. not. But it's not trying not to be. No, no. Um, and um, and despite how formulaic it is, it's it's pretty delightful. It. We laughed a lot. Yeah, I had a very good time watching this book club. It is not. No, no. It is. It is not book club. No, no. And I feel like that needs to be said because I certainly assumed that when I first. I mean, I can't deny when I first heard about this movie and saw the posters for it, I was like, oh boy, um, because it just seemed. It just seemed like it was going to be undignified in the same mm-hmm. way the book club was undignified, mm-hmm. and that's also the same reaction that Angelica Houston had um, whenever she um, recently commented about it. Oh, in, really? In a Vanity Fair article. Uh, in which uh, I think it was either Vanity Fair or New York Magazine. Is it magazine. the same one where she uh, said uh, was talking about Roman Polanski? I believe so. Okay. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, we can circle back to that in the Charlie Says review. Um, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, so she you know was talking about roles for women her age, and then she kind of like slammed Holmes and was just like basically like kill me um, if wow. I ever do something like that. That's just not interesting to me. I think it's insulting. And then Jackie Weaver uh, was doing an interview and was asked about it. And she basically called Angelica Houston something along the lines of a dried up old cunt. <laughs> so. Wow. The dames, this is not. Oh, no. <laughs> but there is tea. <laughs> Boy, is there tea. So, yeah. So there was an old Mima slap fight going mm-hmm. on in the press between Angelica mm-hmm. Houston and Jackie Weaver about this very movie. And I have to say, now having seen it, I, I can see even more why Jackie Weaver would have been offended. Because mm-hmm. not only is it not that kind of retrograde, embarrassing, like, let's laugh at the idea of old women being sexy kind mm-hmm. of movie. Um, but, you know, it has a lot of heart. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Jackie Weaver and Diane, Diane Keaton are really playing it to the hilt. Mm-hmm. Like, Diane Keaton, I, I would say, gives <clears throat> considerably more in this movie emotionally than I've seen her do. And, you know, she's not just on Diane Keaton autopilot. Like, no, yeah. She has like some some real um some real some real tears and some real pathos in this. I'm trying to think we saw her last when she was in that movie with um Oh, it was Book Club. Was it? Yeah, it oh, yeah, was. She was in Book Club. Ha! She dated that guy uh what's right. his name? Was it Andy Garcia? Yeah, Andy right. Garcia. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that one was the one where it was just like much more typical of late period Diane Keaton mm-hmm. where she not only is she plainly dressing herself um, but it feels like she's not even being, she's not even trying with a script. She's no. just like being like, oh, oh, no. um, and just like making noises and being like, oh, oh I don't throw. And, uh, you know, so, uh, so this one, I feel like there's a bit more focus on, on developing a character. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's a character that I, like, you can't, you can't not, you can't slide by with that sort of, uh, not caring about it. There's a, there's an incredible weight whether or not um, it's the focus of the movie, it's still there. And mm-hmm. um, she has to carry right. a lot of balance, a lot of like comedic acting with some mm-hmm. sort of way to bring the story to uh, to the yeah. end. Yeah, no, we have a there's, you know, the tension throughout the film of, of course, she is keeping her cancer diagnosis to herself. And we know at the beginning of the film that she has decided to um, to stop all treatment. And uh, and so she is just, you know, quietly going through this. And uh, and so, yeah, so there is there is a certain, you know, gravity uh, to it that you wouldn't expect from the basic premise. Mm-hmm. Um, there's also both a rape joke and an AIDS joke. And boy, oh, boy, 
did Rebecca just <laughs> really fall out over both? <laughs> they were just really unexpected. <laughs> that, I don't know what to tell you. I was I didn't expect them, and I uh, I found she, them funny. She laughed um, so hard. I saw her start to slide down her seat. <laughs> Because her body was just convulsing in a way. She couldn't, she lost her grip and just very started slippery. to slide. Very, very much so. They're very big chairs. Um, yeah. But yeah, the, I feel like the, the supporting cast mm-hmm. um, doesn't really have any gaps. Every There are just like these little moments of, of hilarity that are kind of uh, small, but they don't really drop. Um, no. Yeah, no, it was not dull. It had a good pace to it. And it's affectionate. Mm-hmm. You know, it's mm-hmm. affectionate for these characters. It's not making fun of its characters, like, at all. No. Um, you know, to the point where... But it's also, like, it's good humor. It's not taking itself too seriously. Like, it's, like, they're having fun. You know, they're just trying to have fun. And they know, like, that they are older. And they know that they how they look doing it. Right. So it kind of almost, you know, preempts the joke by the being thing, in on it. Oh, sorry. The only thing that takes away from it is, like, the very obvious musical cues. If you could, have, if you could fix that like dramatic piano, mm-hmm. I feel like it would be a little bit more sincere. That kind of just like makes, like cheapens it, just in a way that this movie is like kind of already on the borders. So don't right. don't add that. Yeah. But um, yeah, I feel like you f- you feel good uh, yeah. about like if you were to take this as the opposite <laughs> of something like um, that like, fucking Muppet movie. <laughs> Which is like, oh my god, everything about this feels terrible. Everyone's, uh, you could just see everyone's intent and it's like, gross and cruel. Right. This one, even again, there's this like, you know, this young character, Chloe, this cheerleader who kind of has a transformation mm-hmm. and helps them out. And she's not the best actress in the world and her part's not the best part, written part in the world. But like, there's just a sincerity to it that you just like give it a lot of room to, right. to do what it's doing. She's played by Alicia Bow from 13 Reasons Why. Uh, and uh, yeah, you're like, you know, if I had to give this movie a genre, it'd be something like feeling good (laughs) (laughs) niceness maybe i'm coining a term here but (laughs) it's movies that make you good feel no is that yeah Uh, here's the thing uh i cried you cried i did there was it in the big was it in the hospital scene Uh, no in the in the at the at towards the later part of the movie yeah I'm going to say it, this movie comes out, um, what, Mother's Day weekend, mm-hmm. and Diane Keaton reminds me so much of my mother. Um, and that's not why I cried necessarily, but mm-hmm. um, it, it's hard to shake that uh, yeah. comparison. They they move alike, and they dress alike, and they equally hate uh, most things, mm. and are not joiners. Um, so it's always kind of funny to see that. Mm-hmm. Are you going to tell her to go see it? Uh, she won't leave the house to go ah. see it. Right. But, um, Are you going to tell her when it's available to watch at home to, to that she should watch it? You know, I'm going to tell everybody. I feel like this is one to keep on the Netflix burner. Mm-hmm. Um, and when you find that's that Sunday afternoon where you're just like, what do I want to do? I don't know. I'm not feeling that great. You put this motherfucker on. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, it's a real treat. It's a real treat. I had a really fun time watching it. It's definitely it's a Netflix binge it for me. Yes. Yes, I would agree. It's a Netflix binge it. Uh, theatrically, um, it's a consume plus, mm-hmm. I would yeah. say. It's no masterpiece. No. Um, it's not going to be on any year-end lists. Um, I might put Jackie Weaver on some year-end list for it, though, because mm. truly, this is this is the performance that she has, you know, this is the role she's deserved for a long time. Um, but yeah, like, and maybe it was low expectations going into it. I don't know. Um, but it was like, it, I didn't feel like it was pandering. No, I didn't feel like it was schmaltzy, um, and uh, I, yeah, I was I was feeling what I was putting down. So uh, I loved it. Yeah, big fan, big great, fan. Great, great time. Um, po- Pokemon. <laughs> Palms is rated PG thirteen for some language and sexual references. Uh, that brings us to movie number two, which is Pokemon Detective Pikachu. Ace Detective Harry Goodman goes mysteriously missing prompting his 21-year-old son, Tim, to find out what happened. Aiding in the investigation is Harry's former Pokemon partner, wisecracking, adorable, super sleuth, Detective Pikachu. Finding that they are uniquely equipped to work together, as Tim is the only human who can talk with Pikachu, they join forces to unravel the tangled mystery. Um, hey, can you explain what the Pokemon are? No, no, I cannot. Okay. No. So it's a... Send it back? (laughs) Moving on. (laughs) Yeah, um, I am not well versed in the Pokemon in any way. I remember when they first started to become a thing in like the late nineties, maybe. You're right? of, you're of the right age, right? 
I guess so. I mean, like it was late nineties, right? That like suddenly so. the Pokemon were like a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and now, and then of course they came back in a big way a few years ago with mm-hmm. that with Pokemon Go. Mm-hmm. You were already well into Grey Gardens by the time this. Yes, the, the right. 90s yeah, time. yeah. No, I had to hear about it from the grandkids. And uh, but yeah, and then this is apparently is based on a video game of the same name. All right, isn't it based on a card game that the video game is based on? Or Detective Pikachu, you mean? Yes, Pokemon Detective Pikachu. Oh, okay. It's based on a video game of the same name. Hmm. Which like it took me a long time to even figure out how like what order those three words should go in in the title. Is it Pokemon Detective? It's put. Po- is it like right. is Ace it, Ventura Pet Detective? That's a great question. And that's how I have been able to remember it. Because I'm just like, oh yeah, it's like Pokemon Detective Pikachu. Or Pokemon colon Detective Pikachu. That's what I thought it was. Yeah, I don't know. Okay, uh, the, the, great. The, the, and we'll the, never know. The actual title has no punctuation at all. It just no. says Pokemon Detective Pikachu. <laughs> and the thing that is also adorable to me, um, it's you know a little, a little, a little cute, is that they have the accent over the E in Pokemon, sure. which I guess yeah. I always knew was there, but it's kind of it's kind of rich. It's <laughs> a trademark issue. <laughs> that, that, that they add that they add like the little French accent mm. over this nonsense word that is not French. No, it's not. I don't think Pokemon come from France. No, I don't think so. <laughs> the cone, not like the cone heads. Cone heads come from France. Pokemon do not. I Did don't you, think. Do you mean the cone heads like from Saturday Night Live? Yeah. Oh, okay. We come from France. You remember them saying that? Yeah, no, <laughs> I don't. Um, Brush up. Did you Did you see that Ryan Reynolds had shared uh, a tweet yesterday? Yes, that was supposedly a link to the whole movie on YouTube. Mm-hmm. And that- it was like the intro, mm-hmm. and it had like all the branding, and like the first thirty mm-hmm. seconds, and then it just cut to like an hour and a half of Pokemon. Nope, <laughs> of Pikachu dancing. <laughs> what was that what with it his did? little furry butt? That Ryan Reynolds is it a card. Cute, what a he? what a cut up. Uh yeah. Um I probably would have rather watched that than the movie. You uh, do love those little furry butts. I do, I do. And um and Pikachu is admittedly adorable. Um so yeah, I am not a Pokemon person and I as such was at a great disadvantage watching this mm. film, um, enjoyment wise. Mm. Uh, because they really parade out a lot of these guys throughout the movie and they don't ever really introduce them or say anything about them. They're just there on screen. And so like, this is not a movie that is making any effort to like bring people in who don't Mm -hmm. already know what it's talking about. There's no like quick expository thing. Mm-mm. Um, all all it explains, and I shouldn't even say explains. All it just says plainly is that like all people in the world have like a Pokemon partner, mm. and you have to. <laughs> Jesus Christ! <laughs> and you so predictable. And you and you know and you everyone's like assigned a Pokemon partner of some sort. Um, so is my Pokemon partner? Isn't isn't Teacup your Pokemon partner? She is. It was a trick question. <laughs> She'd be furious. <laughs> She's she like, already oh, doesn't like you. <laughs> yeah, no. I'm trying to win her over. I'm sending Rebecca home with my little pom pom from the palm <laughs> it's screening. A palm. The palm, the palm for Teacup. Um, so yeah, so not knowing anything about any of the Pokemon, and then with this movie in no hurry to explain any of it. I don't know if there's anything to explain. I don't know. Um, what we have here is just a really kind of thinly sketched noir 101 detective story that kind of on the grand continuum of uh, sort of partially animated or partially puppeted um, noir detective comedies um, is way more happy time murders than it is who framed Roger Rabbit. Oof. Yeah. Um, this is podcast detective Leroy. <laughs> it is. It is. Uh, it's. I don't. I was just like, who is this movie for? Um, because like, it, it is genuinely darker than you would think it would be. Like, it really commits to the whole noir thing because it mm. opens with a man dying in a car accident, mm. and then we find out that um, he was the father of this character played by Justice Smith from the Get Down. Uh, who is now like on, he's going to go into the main Pokemon city called like Rhyme City or something where humans and Pokemon coexist side by side. Very much like, you know, sort of like Toontown mm. from Roger Rabbit. 
um, or whatever nightmare hell vision of LA was in Happy Town Murders. <laughs> I was gonna say LA, <laughs> or or just LA. Um, and so he like heads back into the city to investigate and to figure out like what happened to his dad. And he winds up discovering that his dad's like partner in detectiving was Pikachu. Pikachu is voiced by Ryan Reynolds, but uh, but I guess the weird thing is that the kid can hear and understand Pikachu and doesn't just hear him going, Pika, Pika, which is all anyone else hears him do. Mm. So the kid's the only one who can actually hear Ryan Reynolds' voice coming through Pikachu. And so they set off to try to figure out, you know, what weird malfeasance led to his dad's death. Things aren't as they seem. There's an evil father-son. There's an evil British father-son duo played by Bill Nye and Chris Gere from You're the Worst. Uh, and, uh, yeah, it's it's all very rote and very uninspired and very obvious and not especially fun. Like, there is humor in Ryan Reynolds' voice at all times. Mm-hmm. So, of course, like, you know, the what little humor the movie has is just in the inherent humor of Ryan Reynolds' voice coming out of Pikachu. Um, I saw something today that described, I think they used the, the, the words, um, they described his voice as being um, snark boiled. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, no, that sounds right. And they're like, he is, he is incapable of sounding sincere in any context ever. Hmm. And uh, Is he uh, Rocket? No, that's Bradley Cooper. Oh, uh, okay. Uh-huh. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So it was, I was just like, who is this movie for? Because, so yes, yeah, like I'm saying, it's, it's not funny. Um, and it's also boring. <laughs> so it's both unfunny and boring at the same time. And I just don't understand. Cause I was asking Ingu, who I watched oh, so it with. Oh, so Republicans. <laughs> there it might be. There it might be. I was asking Ingu like, okay, who's this for? And she was like, kids, cause <laughs> the story's so stupid. <laughs> and I was like, well, but it's boring though. And she's like, no, you're right. It is boring. And I'm like, right. So who is it for? But it like, do kids now know who Pokemon is? Isn't it for like, no, a, it's like back. Men, men child? Like, no, the it's back. People who, oh, still? Yeah. yeah, no, still. Yeah, no. Um, We have a Scott's nephew, um, Braxton is a, he's nine and he's a massive Pokemon fan. Wow. So yeah, no, like it's, it's like, it's like how Star Wars managed to come back and like ensnare a whole new generation of kids. Uh, Pokemon has done the same. Interesting. From this movie, or just no? From like I guess like video games and apps and can and you follow up with a child and see how they think what they <laughs> think of this movie? Let's get them on the show. Um, <laughs> Coming in on Skype. Yeah, it's it's just I just don't get it. Um, I remember seeing the trailer for this, and I had no interest because I didn't know what was going on. And I saw the trailer, and like to me, it looked really adorable. And I was mm-hmm. like, one over. I was like, I can't. I didn't think. I, then I was I was scared it was going to be a happy time murders thing. Right, right. And then I was like, no, this looks really adorable. And I, it looks like I don't even need to know what's a Squirtle. Right. Um, no. But I, I like you know. I, people send a gif at work and i'm like why why are you sending me like a turtle and a bird they're like oh that's um blah blah and oh squirtle and I, all i know is squirrel so i just call them sure just go for it. yeah um but yeah it's uh, i mean it's good to know that's why you I, see them uh, so that uh, i don't have to there's also there's like a villain <clears throat> there's like a villain creature that has like a really unsettling tail because the tail looks like it starts in the crotch region oh no and it's like this really like thick tail that has like a purplish hue to it oh no is it a squirtle and it like starts in the crotch and kind of goes through the back no and, the, and they, it's one of the first things you see in the whole movie and ingu and i both register at the same time and both kind of flinch like because <laughs> um, oh, it just looks like this huge okay yeah mm-hmm. uh so that was strange to me and uh it's for kids yeah so i think that well that's you know but that's the thing though because the story's also dark and kind of like heavy with death and there's mm. like kind of a lot of death and dying in the movie so that is not for kids and well, uh, I mean, it could be. Remember Coco? <laughs> Don't want to get you started. Uh, oh, <laughs> is it is it crass like Happy Time Murders, or is it just just that it's about death? Um, no, it's not crass. Like it's definitely not. It's not trying to be like an adult movie. Um, what do you? What? I need to find a way to share like my favorite things on the internet that I'm going to talk about on the show <laughs> somehow. 
I guess no, we, we talk always, about our Twitter link all the time. We always talk about these things, and we're like, oh, yeah, we'll post them, and we don't post nope, them. Nope, never post it. But I just remember there was this, this great thing that happened a couple of years ago where there, like, uh, this journalist um, had surfaced all these videos uh, that people had made of, like, Pokemon, these two Pokemon, I don't know which ones, I'm, I'm going to call them both Squirtle, um, sure. dancing to, like, uh, Santana and, like, Sum 41, and <laughs> um, what's that, t- the worst song of all time? Mama number five. no that butterfly one oh crazy town yep (laughs) obviously that one and the other one's baker street but uh they Um, like perfectly uh, sync these little like pokemon dance always on beat it's so good i'll um you know what actually we're gonna pause for a second let me show jason then we're gonna come right back to it okay one moment please thank you Okay, so that was worth it, right? <laughs> it was a journey. Uh, there, was, <laughs> there was a moment in time when Rebecca did not think that the video that she wanted to play was going to load, and it was a dramatic time. It was very, I don't know, I need to do something. I need to just, like, um, never take my phone off that page. Yeah, no, I think that's the only logical choice. I'll, have you, I'll use your phone to record it mm-hmm. on my phone. Like, today I took this video <laughs> of right. these birds outside of my office window that were really having a fight. <laughs> <laughs> Two and a half minutes, and like I was showing someone, and you can hear me eating popcorn. Because <laughs> I accidentally bought a giant box of full bags of popcorn, <laughs> and it's a subscription subscription that I need to actually end. Anyways, <laughs> a subscription. So now you can see why I was so confused You're about my pants being loose. Because <laughs> I've been eating so much fucking popcorn. Nothing should fit. Nothing should fit at all. I'm just picturing this like enormous tin of popcorn being delivered to your desk once a month, and every time it comes, you're like, oh fuck! Ah. Yeah, I can't wait to get done. Cancel that fucking thing. <laughs> it's like the yeah, BMG of, of my life. Then right you're now. like, I'm gonna do it. Then you like open it up. And you're like, right after I eat it, right before you know it, then you're just filming birds out your window. And and she does have a job, ladies and gentlemen. There is she, no, in, yeah, in theory, there's stuff she's supposed to be doing. I when do, she's there. yeah, but it's really hard when birds are having a row outside of your window because they come row. at you. Who are you, Madonna? Listen to you. <laughs> Yes. Her Mima with her mini banks. <laughs> uh, that anyway, is, where were we? Have you ever, have you watched At Home with Amy Sedaris? I have, yeah. Did mm-hmm. you see the one where they go outside and they're like talking about birding, and then she like no. looks through the binoculars and she sees these two birds having a fight, and then one murders the other, <laughs> no. and then it looks and then it sees her, it looks down the binoculars at her, and she like drops, and <laughs> she's like, I didn't see a thing. Um, no, but that's my life. I'll show you. Should right. I take a pause and show you the bird? No, we'll do it after. We'll do it after. Also, you know who else is a birder? Is Adam. Oh really? Yes. Hmm. Yes. To 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 a distracting degree. I'm not a birder. Like, just you're like, I, re- you're like, like I don't know this. Also, talk. These, I'm not a birder. <laughs> these birds made a nest right outside of my window. I just got a window seat. I'm not used to it. I'm easily uh, distracted as it is. And my my coworkers keep being like, "Oh, this bird's nest is gonna be the death of you." And I was like, "Well, it's either that or the." <laughs> So heart like, attack that's right just inches away but what you um, need to do is you need to add erica badu's window seat to the video you took ooh, with the birds just do some editing mm-hmm. make it go viral get a window seat right just put that over it mm-hmm. and it, it yeah. might, might drown out the crunching of the popcorn <laughs> <laughs> and then people start to gather as people do when you're staring and then it's like okay well there's this other one and then they took that nest right. and like it became a whole distraction <laughs> anyway so. what were we talking about Pikachu Detective, Pikachu Detective Pokemon. Pokemon. Yeah. So you didn't like it then? No. Okay. I did not like it. Um, Would you rather watch two hours of my bird videos? Probably. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No. I mean, like there, there. I was, I was, I was nonplussed. I. This was. Yeah. It's bad. It's bad. It has nothing to offer. And I can't think of any circumstances under which I'd recommend it, um, unless, of course, you're a Pokemon super fan. Um, because if you are, then just seeing, you know, the Pokemon pop up in an otherwise unremarkable, uninspired story will be enough. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. If just it was, like, if it was Real Housewives popping up, just like not saying anything and just sitting there in the background, like mm-hmm. kind of like eyeballing the characters, I would be like, Whoa! I'd be like clapping like a seal. Mm-hmm, yeah. Um, so, you know, to each their own. Right. Um, but for me, this was just a nothing movie. Uh, send it back. Send it back. Send it back. Uh, it's rated PG for action perils, some rude and suggestive humor and thematic elements. Jason, that brings us to our last movie of the week, which is Charlie Says. Three young women were sentenced to death in the infamous Manson murder case, but when the death penalty was lifted, their sentence became life imprisonment. One young graduate was sent in to teach them. 
and through her we witness their transformations as they face the reality of their horrific crimes. Do you think Charles Manson would be an Instagram influencer if he were around today? Hmm. I think he would have tried. Mm. Right? Like mm-hmm. when in when he was making music. Yeah. Um yeah, there's a little Ingrid Goes West mm-hmm. vibe. Um, yeah. This movie also gives it a very, very um, stylized view, uh, like a be- like a beautiful hippie um, view. Don't you think? I don't know. I only saw the trailer, um, <laughs> but it looks like a very like let's all go to Joshua Tree and like right. do a bunch of drugs and like look have really beautiful long hair when he probably was greasy as fuck. <laughs> Well, I mean, that was part of the appeal. <clears throat> you know, I think that, um, you know, the movie depicts part of it that way because, you know, obviously he was an enormously charismatic figure and he did draw in a lot of people uh, into his cult. So, uh, I mean, and he, it was embodying a kind of California hippie dream. Mm. <clears throat> you know, that's part of, you know, why they effectively killed the dream of the 60s. The movie actually opens with a quote. <laughs> Joan Didion? Of course it is. God damn it. That woman is everywhere. It opens with a Joan Didion quote. It does. Um, that says like, you know, like according, you know, according to just about everyone I know, the 60s ended abruptly on August 8th, 1969. Wow. Well, it's also right at the end of the 60s. You're like, so- yeah, that's how decades work, you <laughs> dumb bitch. All right. Detective <laughs> Pokemon Detective Joan Didion. <laughs> Solved another one. Uh, you know, she's insightful. I thought this, the 60s died for her when she saw some kid take acid and hate. Right. Um, there's that too. Um, whenever they invent, invented the HOV lanes. Anyway. So. I digress. So, yeah. Um, so, yeah. But, you know, that was part of the whole thing was that, you know, they it was they were part of, you know, Charles Manson was positioned as a part of the counterculture. And he was like Hollywood connected. I mean, so it's not like he was like some random insane person like living in isolation i mean mm. like this movie i i think maybe i knew this but it definitely made me revisit the fact that like he was good friends with dennis wilson from the beach boys for yeah. like a, per- a period of time and who and dennis wilson oh, the beach boys. did i say the beach boys or the beatles beach boys is who he sent his yeah, music beach to, right boys. yeah okay well there's a beatles connection too because the white album um is what he would mm. when he was having his like spiral um what he became obsessed with and what he viewed as like like the book of revelation basically like mm. with all the instructions he saw instructions in the songs from the white album um and that's why some of the girls the names they had like you know sexy sadie and mm-hmm. things like that and helter skelter of sure. course uh-huh. so but they but he had an actual beach boys connection in the form of dennis wilson and dennis wilson introduced him to a producer named telly uh, a producer named terry melchier and um and it was you know because manson wanted a, a label you know he wanted a record deal and uh and he uh and so he played for terry melchier and then he did not get uh that record deal the beach boys wound up taking a song he'd written and kind of rewriting it into their own song and then he kind of wasn't credited on it and all that led to his downward spiral and the house where sharon tate and her friends were at was the house that he believed terry melchier lived at Mm. so Hmm. that's kind of the root of all that of how that happened Hmm um so uh so all that aside this movie is meant to be there's you know there's a lot that's coming out that's come out recently when it's continuing to come out about this because it's 50 years you know Mm -hmm. so we have a lot this is i mean 1969 was an eventful year so that's why we're seeing a lot of stuff about woodstock a lot of stuff about the moon landing a lot of stuff about the manson murders because those things all i noticed you used air quotes around moon landing interesting Listen, we all know it's bullshit. <laughs> the original deep fake. That's what I call it. Uh, so, uh, so yeah. So now we have a bunch of stuff about the man. There was some like horrible straight to VOD movie with Hillary Duff playing Sharon Tate that came out recently that tried mm. to play it as like a spooky ghost movie about her or something. Um, and of course, later this summer, there is the there's the the, the biggie, which is Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, Quentin Tarantino's mm-hmm. film about this very subject. It's still unclear how what like the real angle is because right. you know we know that Brad Pitt and Leo DiCaprio are the main characters and they are not playing anyone tied directly to this, but Margot Robbie is playing Sharon Tate. Mm-hmm. So uh, who knows what we can expect from that one? It's premiering at Cannes in a matter of weeks. Uh, so then we'll all find out. Hmm. In the meantime, we have this one. This one is directed by Mary Heron, 
who previously mm. directed I Shot Andy Warhol. Mm-hmm. She directed American Psycho, mm-hmm. uh, the notorious Betty Page. And uh, and it's written by Guinevere Turner, uh, who wrote screenplays for American Psycho mm-hmm. and for Notorious Betty Page. Uh, Guinevere Turner is also a uh, sort of new queer cinema icon mm-hmm. because she was a star of Go Fish. Uh, she's also the real life inspiration for Joey Lorna Adams' character from Chasing Amy. Mm-hmm. So she has that dubious uh, distinction. Mm-hmm. She's in season one of The L Word. <laughs> There's that as well. Um, and she actually just wrote um, a big personal essay in The New Yorker um, this past week about how she herself was raised in a cult. Oh, interesting. So, so she kind of brings that personal perspective to bear in this material. Uh, so this is meant to be, you know, this this is really the first time that it's been that the subject like this has been looked at through like a female gaze. Um, and you know, there, you can really feel them wanting there to be a stronger subtext of the ways that these young women were sort of, you know, brainwashed and exploited by this powerful charismatic man and sort of, you know, cutting to the, um, the core of the bullshit of the sort of hippie movement in terms of the ways that it really just reinforced, uh, sort of patriarchal bullshit. And in some ways, strip women even further of their rights with Mm -hmm. this idea that like oh no like to be pregnant and barefoot is actually like the ideal female state and you know valerie solanus was saying this at the time in the scum manifesto (laughs) i'm just saying um so uh so yes this movie part of the way that it tries to tell that story um and to frame these uh these women differently is uh through um telling the story also of a woman named carlene faith um who is played by Merritt weaver she was a criminologist, and she had been working at the prison that, that the girls were at, and she winds up sort of being assigned to go and sit with them because they're not allowed to leave their their cells. They're, they're kind of stuck in this limbo state where they've been sentenced to death, but uh, but then it gets lifted, and it's, it's commuted to life in prison, but they're not really being allowed into the general population yet, so mm-hmm. they are all just three in these three consecutive cells just bouncing off each other all day. So... Uh, so yeah, so um, Merritt Weaver goes in and is sort of just talking to them and trying to get a sense of where they're at with things, and you know, and they're like they don't want to read anything because Charlie didn't let them read, mm. and um, you know, and they are very suspicious of like you know the women's lib movement because you know Charlie had a poor view of it, and so then basically Merritt Weaver tries to get in there and disentangle some of that and kind of like you know um, sort of decondition them or what's the word when you're leaving a cult reprogram deprogram deprogramming yeah, yeah. Um, deep conditioning they also needed that right <laughs> yeah well they, they do shave their heads at one point so that takes mm. care of that situation um so any so i i the movie ultimately doesn't really work because it can't figure out who it's about it can't determine who its protagonist is because at some it, it, it sort of is telling half is telling half of two separate stories. It doesn't tell either of those stories especially well. Mm. The one story is the story of Carlene Faith, the criminologist. The other is the story of Leslie Van Houten, mm. or Lulu, as Manson called her, um, who's played by Hannah Murphy, who plays Gilly on Game of Thrones. No, oh, okay. Yes. Um, and she was recently released from prison, she, Van Houten. No, she has not been released yet, no? um, but she was recommended for parole again. Really? And, um, yeah, I was just looking this up recently, like Hmm. yesterday, I think. And basically, um, like, yeah, I think two weeks ago, um, they were like, okay, so basically it's now been sent to Newsom because it was, you know, she was recommended for parole twice to Jerry Brown. Both times he denied her. Um, And so, and of course, Leslie Van Houten um, has been, she has been sort of the only hope um, in terms of people connected to Manson. Uh, being released from prison. John Waters has been tirelessly advocating for her to be released mm-hmm. for many, many years. Um, and uh, and she is, by all accounts, a model prisoner. And she is now in her, I think, mid-70s. And she's, you know, been in prison since 1969. And, uh, you know, and in, you know, not for nothing, uh, sure. yeah. she did participate in the LaBianca murders. Mm-hmm. Um, right. She was one of the... Oh. She was one of the three that went in and killed the LaBiancas. Just neighbors. Uh, and it was the next night. Right, yeah. It right. was, yeah. Uh, I'm going to so. show you this real quick. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> when did, when, when, when did, 
<laughs> Would you like to read that? Should we read it back sure. and forth? This is from uh, September 6, 2017. Feels like it was yesterday. Um, I had taken a screenshot of a, of a text exchange with our dear friend um, and uh, a guest on the show, Heidi. Um, and I said, oh, they freed that Charles Manson follower. And she writes back in all caps, wait, what? Which? And I said, Van Houten. She said, holy shit, good for her. I said, yeah, I wonder what she'll do. And Heidi says, go murder a bunch of people for fun, probably. <laughs> Fair. Yeah, damn it, Leslie. Yeah, no, according to just the opening paragraph of her Wikipedia, um, she was denied parole by the panels of state commissioners 19 times before receiving recommendations for parole in 2016, 2017, and 2019. Mm. Jerry Brown overruled the board recommendations and denied parole on the first two of those occasions, and the third recommendation is pending. Jerry Brown. Yeah, Jerry Brown was not having it. He Mm-mm. was like, no, no. He's like, that's not going to be mine. That's going to be my legacy. Oh, no. Um, I'm not going to, you know, come back all these years later and be governor again and then let out a Manson follower. Uh, you had one job. <laughs> one job. So, um, but I could see Newsom doing it, though. Yeah, I mean, you're, it's not effect, he's not affected by it in the same way. Yeah, no. Um, yeah, he's a different generation. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I think it would make him look, because I think that, like, it's a very... It would be it would be the progressive thing to do to let her out, um, and uh, so I don't know. I hope he lets her out. I I truly do. Um, but uh, but yeah. That all said, this movie is trying to tell her story, um, but it but it but it but it doesn't because mm. we first meet her when she arrives at like the Manson Ranch, so we have no backstory. Mm. We have no sense of who she was before she showed up. So we see her show up. And the way Hannah Murphy plays her, she's just immediately just like this like wide-eyed, um, you know, sort of easily persuaded person, very like, wow, about, you know, about Manson and his charms and like the way that he's kind of like trying to help them all let go of the bad trips their parents put them on and, you know, and saying them, you know, letting them loose to fuck each other as much as they want and to feel desired and to feel loved and so so yeah so we so she's basically a blank slate when we meet her and then we we just see how she's drawn in by him and all the stuff that he was peddling and um you know and then we see how you know we see him get his hooks in them to the point where whenever he does turn to you know more murderous ideas they just kind of go along Mm -hmm. they're just like "Uh uh-huh uh-huh and um and then we see her in prison and they're all still very much brainwashed by him and then we see this kind of somewhat of a trajectory somewhat of an arc uh for some of the girls as they start to kind of like figure out oh wait maybe 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 we're not right you know maybe Mm. maybe something maybe he got to us maybe maybe he was actually full of shit so but it doesn't effectively tell either story and that's kind of it's all the fatal flaw of this movie is that it just kind of half-asses both stories carlene's Mm. and leslie's and it would have been more effective it would honestly if it would have just focused on the prison part of it Mm. Because, like, we all, all, like, no one needs another reenactment no. of, of the Manson murders. And, and to, you know, to the film's credit, they don't subject you to that. Oh, that's great. Um, like, they, they don't, they, most of the violence happens off camera. Like, they do go, they, they, they have scenes that take place at each of the, at the Tate murders and the LaBianca murders. Mm-hmm. Um, but they, you know, we're not, you're not watching Sharon Tate get butchered. Uh, you're not watching, mm-hmm. you know, like there's, there's, there's some violence, but mainly it's off camera, but like all the same, we know, right. You right. know? So like, I think it would have been much more effective as a psychological study if they'd really just gone in deep and had the whole thing been from Carlene face perspective as she's going in there day after day, kind of like a dead man walking type movie. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, just going in there day after day, working with the women. Um, so as it stands now, it's, it just doesn't totally play. Um, is it done through flashback? Is it no? Is yeah. it kind of chronological? It's no. It's it's like flashback. It jumps back and forth between, um, you know, Carlene sitting with the women in the in the, in prison, and uh, and then like you know we'll look at Leslie and she's like has a faraway look in her eyes, and then they'll mm. flashback to, you know. So the flashbacks are chronological. Gotcha. Um, so it's just like two sort of yeah two parallel chronological storylines. It's like a Capote type thing. Kind of. Um, I will say Patricia Krenwinkel is played by Sosie Bacon, daughter of Kevin Bacon and Kira Sedgwick. Mm. And she's very good. Wasn't she's, she just in something else recently? I don't know. Mm. She's a natural. Okay. She's very good. Um, Suki Waterhouse shows up as another oh. Manson follower. And it was funny because I was looking at um, the Once Upon a Time in Hollywood IMDb to be like, what characters, you know, or have they been given character names yet to all the different actors in this? 
and I did see one character name overlap um, between the two. Um, and in Tarantino's version, this uh, this character is going to be played by Lena Dunham. Oh, yeah, huh? Yeah, yeah. so that's going to be interesting. Be interesting to see. Interesting. So, but uh, but yeah, I mean, I think that I mean the Manson murders are obviously the kind of abyss that we will always be compelled to look into. Uh, you think? I think, I mean, yeah, they've hung on, you know, I mean, like, they're not something that, I mean, I guess it'd be interesting to see what happens, you know, post, well, you know, post boomers. Uh, but I mean, I, you know, I feel like for our generation, there's still like a lot of knowledge of them and a lot of, of awareness of what happened and a lot of just dark fascination with it. I mean, it was, you know, and of course it doesn't have the same cultural meaning for us because, you know, those of us who weren't alive then, um, because it did feel like such a living, such a nightmare at the end of this idyllic, mm-hmm. supposedly idyllic period. Um, it seems like in general, there's just kind of a, like, you know, there with the, the two, um, Ted Bundy kind of the mm-hmm. documentary and then right. the movie with, uh, Zac Efron right. and this, and then the, uh, Tarantino movie. Um, there's like a little renewed appetite for um, Hollywood well, to be looking at serial killers. Well, there's the rise of true crime, um, which I think is, yeah. you know, is, is probably playing a big role. Um, so if anything, the time has never been better, commercially speaking, you for think stories that, you think about serial rise? killers. I feel like true crime has been like a consistent for a while. Like it's, it, we don't watch it, but it's like every Friday is like yeah. those, what was that show that our friend watches? Oh, um, <laughs> what in, no, what, oh yeah, but no, Hardline, no. Uh, one of those Dateline 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 yeah. Dateline And right. then if you watch Like cable television Like every sta- mm-hmm. Every other station Has like Right Well I guess Murderous thing Now it's hitting Netflix And it's hitting podcasts Well podcasts Is primarily What I'm talking about mm-hmm. Because I mean True crime podcasts Have really You know Sort of Revitalized the entire thing And to your point Agreed It's never gone away but podcasts have been a huge shot in the arm for true crime. And so I think that there is more interest than ever before. And then also, yeah, documentaries on Netflix, uh, Making a Murderer, things like that. Mm -hmm. So I feel like there's more interest than ever, in a way, in these stories. So it makes sense that we're seeing so much more of them. And I think that there is something about that, you know, like serial killers aside, even though like grand total, you know, if you want to be morbid and talk about body counts, you know, the, the Manson murders, you know, were not like the biggest spree. But there's something about them that I think probably mainly because it was carried out by young women, you know, I think had has a lot of the fascination for people because that's so atypical. Mm. Um, and also that it was like this this cult leader and like a 60s hippie flower power thing. And, you know, so I think in, in the fact that one of the people who was killed was a famous actress yeah. who was yeah. pregnant and, you know, was Roman Polanski's wife. So, yeah, and there's, you know, there I think it will always just hold a strong fascination. And so there's when you watch a movie like this, even though it's kind of not super well done you still have that you're haunted by the end of it because mm. you're just you know anytime you revisit it, anytime you look into that particular void um and also there's like you know like yeah the home invasion piece of it Ugh. uh you know it's, it's just all nightmare fuel all of it definitely doesn't have uh, or it has more of a a draw than something like unsexy david koresh right 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 it's in texas yeah thumbs down yeah, yeah. Jan no, Reno involved, and so many right. Well, so many serial killers are just lone wolf men, and that's that's just not as interesting. So you know, here mm. we have a whole quote unquote family of people. Mm. Um, you know, like we have a cult of hippies that are, that are going around killing people. So um, you know, so I don't know. So I think it's it still holds a strong fascination, and I feel like it's only going to build throughout the year, especially if Leslie Van Houten does get pardoned. Which who may have happened by the time this comes out? Who knows? <laughs> if it's currently it's currently being decided, uh, decided. Um, so if she comes out and starts granting interviews, then that's going to kick off a whole nother thing. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, and and I'm sure she'll be protested by some because there's still definitely some out there who do not want her released from from prison. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, but uh, but yeah, so I don't know that this movie. When I was watching it, I was wondering, like, oh, I wonder if this will like hurt or help her. But I think ultimately it's not going to be, it's not a big movie. So I don't know if it's going to have any effect on her at all. Um, but uh, the Tarantino one probably would, though. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, this movie does show her stabbing Rosemary LaBianca many times because she stabbed her like 14 times. But uh, but I, but I, but this movie makes it seem like she was actually already dead. And it was something where they called her into the room and we're just like, Charlie says all of us have to do something. And mm. they hand her the knife and then she just stabs her a bunch of times. Wow. Yeah. 
heavy stuff. Um, what about Pokemon? So, <laughs> but it's really they need Pokemon Detective Pikachu in the case. That, um, that's who would take care of this. They would business. have found them right quick. Ugh. Yeah. If only anyone could speak to him. Yeah. So, um, but I will say this is probably my least favorite Mary Heron movie because mm. you know she is you know somebody who I generally love and especially I actually Andy Warhol was like one of my favorite movies when I was a teenager and American Psycho of course is a is a you know cult classic mm. unparalleled and Notorious Betty Page I feel like is is slept on but I am mm-hmm. a big fan of that one I think it's very underrated and well worth a visit if you guys haven't seen it so what are you gonna get this one this is a consume okay yeah um I really yeah I feel like uh, I feel like whenever Guinevere Turner is very inconsistent as a screenwriter mm. and um and uh and this in or maybe she or it's just something where she's uh, trailing off but this is not great and i think a lot of the problems are in the screenplay and she just couldn't decide which story she wanted to tell so she tried telling both and that was a fatal mistake pick a lane <laughs> that's what i always say uh, Charlie says is rated R for disturbing violent content, strong sexuality, graphic nudity, drug use, and language. And Jason, that is it. That's it. Um, thank you so much for listening. Uh, Jason is on Twitter at Excess Baggage. I'm at Fight Balance. Most of you follow Jason anyway, so he'll he'll retweet that Pokemon dancing thing. <laughs> I'll send it to him. To send, to send it. You've probably already seen it. You've been on the internet. You've been on the internet. <laughs> it's late. All right. <laughs> Thanks, everyone. Bye, guys. Bye-bye. Binging on movies with Rebecca and Jason. You made it to the end, that's amazing. There, there goes, goes the, the binge. binge.